This is Waves, a podcast of APTA Michigan. I'm Andy Wicks. If you're like most healthcare workers, you don't have a lot of time to read research articles and stay up to date on the latest and greatest knowledge in your field. Continuing education dollars are in short supply, and we get few chances to learn new skills for our daily practice. One person, however, decided to do something about that. Luke Holloman is a DPT student at Virginia Commonwealth University and the creator of the PT Crab newsletter. He shared with us the story of how it got started and how he would like to see his career unfold. I'm Luke Holloman. I'm a physical therapy student and the, I guess, editor, but really sole proprietor of PT Crab, which is a newsletter for physical therapists as well. I never really know what to call myself because I'm like, I want to be an editor, but I'm an everythinger when it comes down to it. <laughs> you are the driving force the, behind, you are the creator of... The founder, creator. Oh, there you go. Founder yeah. of that PT so Crab. Better. Yeah. Which is a very cool newsletter. And full disclosure, I am a, I'm a happy subscriber to PT Crab because I think it's a really cool resource. And we'll definitely have links to it in the show notes for... Folks that want to check it out, but um, I guess tell us the story of how that started. What what got you going getting PT Crab off the ground? Yeah, and sort of the details on what it is too. So I, like I said, I'm a student, and my wife is a physical therapist. She's I think four years ahead of me. Like when yeah, when I graduate, she'll be in a PT for about four years. And my first year as a as a PT student, um, she was a first year PT. She'd been working about six months and she'd gone to some continuing education and she was really grumpy coming back from continuing education because she was just saying there's there's so much stuff out there coming out all the time. There's so much research, so much information and I can't keep up with any of it. And all I can do is go to Con Ed like twice a year. And she found that very frustrating. And so at the time, I, well, previously I have a master's degree in physiology. I've written a few research papers. Like I kind of, I get it. I can read them. It, you know, it kind of comes naturally. It's a weird language you have to get used to. And I was kind of used to it at that point. And I was also pretty free because the first about five months into my first year PT school, I was I was struck by a car while riding home from class and I sustained a traumatic brain injury. And so I actually had dropped out of school at the time to reset a year later and come in with the next year's class. So I was like nine months into PT school at this wow. point when I had to come out. Yeah, it was an experience uh, for sure. And I was like, I kind of got nothing to do for the next six months until I can roll in with this class. And so as a project, I told her uh, we could talk about what you're interested in. And then every week I can prep a couple articles and just we can talk about them over dinner. And that would help me learn more stuff. It would help her keep up with whatever research she was interested in. That was cool. So we did that for a week. And then she said she was talking to some of her coworkers and they really liked the idea and they wanted to do it as well. And I was like, well, they can't really, they could, but they can't really come to dinner every week. This was, this was April of 2020 or May of 2020. (laughs) when nobody could do anything with anybody at all. So I just took what I was doing and started writing it down a little bit. Um, and she would share it with her coworkers and it was just an email they would, they would share. And then literally, I think a week, maybe two weeks after that, it was shared to another clinic and it was shared to another clinic. And at, at some point, before I looked up, there were like 40 people forwarding my emails to each other every week when it was intended for four. And oh, wow. at that point, I just went, there's clearly demand for this. It became obvious that this is something people could use. Just a little. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm already doing the work. 
it's it it wouldn't change anything really to just start publishing this through like a newsletter platform of some sort. And I've got a background in I'm I'm a second career student, so I have a background in marketing and design. I've done this kind of stuff before, so I'm, it was like, well, it's fine. I'll make a website. I'll start sending an email. I'll I'll do all the building, et cetera, myself. And it just kind of grew from there. And all of the growth, except literally the one advertising spot I did last October. Other than that, in two and a half years now, all the growth has been organic. And so far, we've reached up 1,800 subscribers, which has just been remarkable with kind of not trying. Uh, I'm just doing the same thing every week. And what I do really <laughs> is okay. I read like 10 articles. I pick out three of them, and then I summarize those three and then turn those into an email every week. And it's six, eight minutes or so with links to the actual papers if you want to dig a little deeper on it. And it's been really just amazing to watch it and feel the pressure as well every week when, um, you, Andy, you said that <laughs> you're a subscriber. I found out last year that an editor of one of the major physical therapy journals is a subscriber, which is really stressful to find out when you're they're editing their journal and then I'm taking their journal and then <laughs> re-editing it and sending it back to them. Uh, but she's very supportive and I appreciate it a lot. But finding that out was very stressful moment it's been a heck of a ride that's crazy that's and it all just started out as a a way of filling time and being supportive of your wife what mm -hmm. a guy what a guy it's it's nice when when things accidentally work out like that what <laughs> strikes me about the newsletter and one of the reasons i mean i i don't subscribe to a ton of things but one of the reasons why i was like this is worth my my hard-earned dollars here it's clear to me that you have that background in ability to clearly communicate in very clear layman's terms the concepts in these papers it's fantastic because that's like you were saying that the language of research papers is its own language hmm. and it's frustrating and it's dense and it's thick and it's it's not accessible and i think that's a i don't know that's a whole different it, soapbox but well yeah i was gonna say people who write research papers don't have backgrounds in communication and no they don't their yeah. ideas all the time yeah and it, i know that that the apta has tried to do like summary podcasts mm -hmm. of research articles but it's essentially someone just reading an abstract which doesn't yeah help I, a ton either the thing that i didn't mention when i was kind of giving my background is that i, I spent a couple of years as a middle school science teacher, which kind of gave the skills to translate that research. And one thing that I have come to me over time as I've been working on this project is that if I don't do this, then I don't get the point of a lot of research. I, I do. I, I know it, you know, as a somebody who needs to publish if you work at a university or we need to start these projects and eventually we'll get something out of them. But the, the turnaround time from medical research being published to being used in a clinic is 17 years. And it's probably shorter than that in physical yeah, therapy because it's kind of a less fraught field. That's just a, a general article that I found about it in the past. But anything more than, than five or seven years is crazy that we have to wait for this kind of stuff. And so I don't know if this is taking down one of the major barriers, but at least it's starting to whittle away at a barrier from getting the cool stuff people are doing in labs to actually be useful. You don't have to wait for a class twice a year to learn a new skill that I can translate it every week for you. That's awesome. You mentioned pelvic health, and then you heard Catherine go woohoo. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll I'll definitely want to let you guys talk about that. But um, I I will just start the conversation by saying there aren't a lot of men practicing in pelvic health. No, there aren't, and it sucks. 
and it's sort of interesting from my side of it is like there are several of my colleagues I've talked to in the past that a I've had male patients tell me that you're great but it's kind of hard for me to talk about like the issues with my sexual function with a woman who I don't have the same parts which I get because honestly if I had to do pelvic health like go see a pelvic floor physical therapist I would not want to see a guy um that's just my own personal preference so I get why a man would want to see a man so I'm glad you're getting into the field Luke happy to have you yeah it was accidental that I ended up being interested in it but I was at CSM last year uh, wherever it was San Antonio and I dropped a friend off at a talk and I was like I don't I don't have any talks I want to go to so I'll just see what's in the next room over and the next room over was a male perspective on pelvic health and Dan Karajas from USC was there um, Grant Headley who runs a place up here in Oregon actually and one other person whose name I can't remember, but he's from, I think, Illinois, we're all just talking about their like, path into pelvic health and why they do it and, and whatnot. And from there, I was just really hooked on it. And I go to Virginia Commonwealth University, and we do have a modules in our third year that are available if you want to take them. So I took our pelvic health module eight or 10 months ago or so and really enjoyed that as well. It's been a really cool field to, to learn more about and so underserved. And like you were saying, it's underserved on the women's side. It's mm -hmm. extra underserved on the men's side. And it was funny. I took the Herman Wallace course on men's pelvic health and it was taught, it was written and taught by a female professor and she was fantastic. But there were some funny things that she pointed out where I was like, I didn't, didn't even know this was worth teaching. It's such an obvious thing about my anatomy. And then I took pelvic health women's 1A along with my wife and I saw that, oh yeah, there's all kinds of stuff here that she thinks is incredibly obvious that I had no idea about either. So it goes both ways. Yeah. For sure. I'm super happy that you're interested in public health. And I think that there's so much opportunity for what public health is to continue to expand across like the areas of PT clinical practice too, whether it's the acute setting or more neuro side of things. But um, no, I always, I, I always with my male patients that like, women at least know they have a pelvic floor. Men don't even know that they have one. So mm -hmm. often, <laughs> like often they're, they're having these pelvic issues and they end up getting sent to a urologist and the urologist is just like, well, you don't have an infection, but maybe we'll try this antibiotic anyway. And um, yeah, unfortunately, treatment gets delayed longer than needed. So mm -hmm. um, no, it's a, it's a huge Huge area of need. Yeah. I, the, Plus men just don't like talking about their undercarriages very much. No, not really. Yeah. Um, it, that's one of the people who really inspired me in it was, was Grant, who was at the talk. And he's a, I'm a cyclist and he's a cyclist as well. And he got chronic pelvic pain from, from being a cyclist, which is, it turns out, a very common thing. And it's one of those things I didn't even know I had a problem until I was at the course and somebody was feeling around in my obturator internus and they hit it and I was like, oh, that hurts so much. And also that's a pain I get sometimes. But I was just like, yeah, it's normal. Yeah. You know, you have weird pains. Who cares? But it's definitely a thing. And it turns out that like tension down there is associated with sitting on a bicycle seat all the time. Who knew? Yeah. A pelvic floor physical therapist knows. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so, so much. It, it's been really cool to learn. But I don't think that information... I to your point with the whole PT crab thing is I don't think that information should be a secret, you know? Mm -hmm. So 
um, yeah, it's good. I get there's not much time in school to cover everything, but some of the stuff seems so basic that I'm just like, guys, why did why isn't this in our class? Why do I have to take a special thing to learn this? Luke, do you think that I'm asking both of you, both both Luke and Catherine here, that what what should change in PT education in terms of pelvic health physical therapy? Should it become more of a every student should get this or is it still this specialty that requires its own unique training? I So I have a big soapbox on this, but I'll let Luke answer that first. <laughs> okay. I'm kind of nervous to hear what that turns out to be if, if you disagree with me. But um, I... <laughs> oh, well, I will, I'm sure I won't disagree with you. Okay. I I think more talk about sex and sexual health in general is super, super important. And I love to teach and I, I dream of a day of, this is, this is ridiculous, but I dream of a day of going as a teacher and just opening a box and it just being like full of dildos and just going like, you need to be comfortable talking about this kind of things because patients use these. Okay. They will and they want to talk to you about it. And if you're not open to it, <laughs> that's a problem because it's a functional activity. It's fun. It's entertaining. It, it's like rock climbing. It's whatever. It's a functional activity we need to do safely and healthily and know more about. And there's so much false prudishness about it that it just needs needs to be broken through to some degree. And that when we did like in two hours of, of pelvic health is just part of one of our ortho courses initially, just like, hey, this exists. Here's all the parts, basically. There was just this kind of weird squeamishness in the room of people going like, why do I have to learn about this? And I'm like, guys, we had to learn about wounds. Okay, wounds are terrible. Don't give me that crap about this kind of stuff. This is cool. This is interesting. So we need just more of it and more comfort with it, I think is really, really important. It's like the health classes we had to take in middle school and junior high. Yeah, but we're still acting like middle schoolers when we're getting it. So you you said exactly what I was going to say in different terms, is that I think the fact that we don't already have more extensive education on the public floor within physical therapy school reflects the general prudishness of our society. Like our job is to know how every muscle, where it attaches, how it functions, what it does in the human body. And the fact that like, for example, Kosh Grand Valley, where Andy teaches, <laughs> we do get a two week module on pelvic health, but we like skim over the pelvic floor in the general anatomy course. We don't talk about it in the kinesiology palpation course that we take first semester it's just reinforcing that there's something wrong with talking about this area of the body and i also feel that most of the time i have colleagues that will say well i can't ask those questions like people don't want to talk about that in their pt evaluation and i'm like you don't want to talk about it yeah. in your pt evaluation <laughs> i guarantee you that if you ask the patient in a professional manner, they will be more than happy to volunteer information if they're having a problem because they want to get it fixed. Yeah. And not the way that we normally do it, which is just in your balance bladder. Is that okay? Okay. That's okay. We're, we're done talking about that now. I'm like, guys, it's important. We can't skate over it like, like it's yeah. nothing, but we do. And then you get people who are like, well, you know, I can't do that exercise, honey, because it makes me leak. And I'm like, but, but, you can tell me that, you know, and, and we can fix it. If we yeah. had known about this six weeks ago, it'd be fixed by now. You yeah, know? right. And it's not an, it's not enough to ask, is there, are you having any issues with your bowel and bladder? Because people don't know what normal is. So that's mm -hmm. a perfect opportunity. And 
Well, I mean, I would argue that most PTs don't know what normal is either because I didn't know what normal was until I took my like series of pelvic health courses. But I think that's an opportunity to have a discussion about what does normal look like because, sorry, now I'm really getting on my soapbox, mm. but we're supposed to be treating lower back pain. 80 to 90% of people with lower back pain have constipation. Mm. So it's just, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> I used to work with an OT who would say sex is an ADL. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I think is great. Yeah. That's a big message that I want to push in my career is it's, I was talking with one of my professors about uh, an incident she had with a, a journal group and somebody brought a journal article about like sexual positions for different types of pain uh, to the club. And some people in the club didn't like talking about it. So like, we really shouldn't talk about this. And I'm just going, guys, it's, it's, it is exactly, it's an ADL. It's just a thing. You know, if somebody had trouble running, you would assess their gait. And if you're not competent to do it, that's fine. You'd ask somebody else to do it, but you would get it treated. And this is exactly the same. Yeah. So interesting. So interesting. Well, a bit of a side question here, but Luke, so when are you, when are you uh, anticipating graduation? May 26th. Done. Nice. Not that you're counting down the days or anything. Completely. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a, a date for the uh, NPTE yet? That is April 25th or 26th. I may be flipping the two. It, one is April 26th and one is May 25th or vice versa. So they're both coming up. Oh, okay. All right. Well, best of luck to you. You're going to do That's fine. Exciting. You're going to crush it. You're going to crush it. Yeah, I love standardized exams. Yeah, no worries about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. You talked about your uh, your history as a tutor for him. So this is an mm -hmm. old hat, I'm sure. Indeed. Bring it on, right? Can you tell us about the name? How did you come up with it? Oh, name? yeah. I, well, I spent weeks trying to come up with the name. I was, I got stuck in this thing. It needs to be an anagram. And I didn't have the letters for it to be an anagram yet. I wasn't really sure. And, but I just went like, I can't think of anything good. It's got to be some kind of anagram. And I was falling asleep one night and my brain just went crab. And I went, no, that's stupid. How do you make it work in crab? And then I got up the next morning and I went clinically research awesomely brief. And it became PT crab. So the full name is actually oh. physical therapy, clinical research, awesomely brief, which is PT crab. I like that. I like that. It makes a lot more sense now. I was trying to incorporate, you know, the animal somehow and that it's like, you know, oh, related I to research. And I was, I was struggling for it. I couldn't make the connection, but now I, now I know. I was, uh, I was definitely thinking it stood for something. But I was thinking uh, uh, different. But now I see on your website that it does say right underneath. So that shows you how observant I am. I mean, it's a thing, though. I've gotten subtle with it because the, the people I like talk to about it are so used to just calling it the crab or, you know, whatever. But I, I definitely need to be more effusive mm -hmm. in, in bringing out the name because it, it is fun, too. Yes. So the next question is, when are we going to see some PT Crab merch? I, well... I wanted to do this a year ago, but being a being a student, it, it's very on and off with my availability and my on time hasn't lined up with my artists on time. I have an artist who I've been working with to make some new logos, make some new figures, make some merchandise, all that kind of stuff. But it, it, we're nice. probably looking at well after graduation at this point, um, like June, July, okay. something like that. You got to prioritize. Not one of my skills traditionally, but I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I have to admit, Luke, it's impressive that a you're doing this at all during PT school, and 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 the fact that 
I mean, I, we, all of us, uh, Catherine, and I obviously have gone through it. I, I mm-hmm. teach in a PT program right now. I, and you're in the middle of it. So all of us have our own perspectives about the workload that is involved in the time commitments and it's huge. So the fact that you're able to balance that with this, frankly, very impressive newsletter is, is nothing, nothing to sneeze at. So, uh, I think you do seem to have those prioritization skills, uh, in hand, whether you know it or not. Hmm. I mean, it, I, I appreciate the, the, the kind words and it's a chaotic process to finish it sometimes, but it, it does get done. And I've gotten faster. It's probably two and a half, three hours a week now. So it, it's fit in a bowl, but it is definitely a load uh, every week. I also see that you prefer the term physio, which I do too. And I'm trying to figure out how to make that happen in the U.S. So yeah, it's, it's I mean, slowly it's creeping, creeping along there. Yeah, it's just better. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, physical therapist, it's an important thing to be, but physio is so much easier to see. Um, I have a, a friend who's going into um, obstetrics and gynecology as well. She's in med school right now. And uh-huh. in Australia, they call them gynees, which also I prefer over OBGYNs. Yeah. So I'm working on the, yeah. those two words taking over. It'd be much, much nicer. I like so, it too. Would a Catherine, could you call yourself a gyne physio? Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what they what they call themselves in Australia because I listen to a lot of Australian pelvic physio. I think they call it pelvic physio. Pelvic mm-hmm. physio. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good one. There, I don't know why this is the thing I've noticed from reading a ton of research, Australia is on point with their research. And it's a thing that people tell you. It's like, oh, yeah. McKinsey no, was Australian are. or something. But yeah, they're ahead of us by by years. And also their best uh, research journal is completely yeah, open access, sure. which is fantastic. Man, Australia is doing everything better. Hmm. Except for the whole deadly animals. Yeah, if you don't listen to it, Luke, you should listen to the Public Health Podcast um, with uh, Lori Forner. She is the Australian physio. Um, and I think she actually has a couple other um, physios that host it now too, but it's really good. Nice. I I will look that up. I listen to no physical therapy podcast, if I'm honest. I did listen to your some of your episodes. So I, I did research on it, but I, I do have to admit that <laughs> this I will be, was this not will a be, previous This day. will be your, your, your gateway into the... The uh, therapy podcast world. Yeah, I really ought to. I, I probably We're- listen to 10 or 15 hours of podcasts a week, if not more. I just, I've never dug into it in physical therapy. I, I don't know why, but I've, I've never, I've never thought about it. But the pelvic health podcast with Lori Forner is one of I'm right there with you, Luke. I listen to a ton of podcasts. I, I'm, I'm a total role-playing game nerd, so I listen to a lot of actual play podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't listen to a lot of PT podcasts, but... I like making this one, so nice. it's fun. I I saw it. I I pulled up your site before and saw that that you were into RPGs, and I'm I'm a big fan of that myself. So nice, nice. I was just listening to some old restarted the old the whole Adventure Zone arc hmm. just a, you know not too long ago. Oh my god, you yeah. guys are. It's not. <laughs> Join us, Catherine. Join no, us. It's really fun. Uh, I I wasn't into it for a long time because I'm not a I'm I'm like I don't want to play a role. But once I learned you can play RPGs just as yourself, it became really fun. Maybe maybe Catherine, if I can't get you on Twitter, I'll get you playing role playing games. How about that? I think I think the chances of me being on Twitter are higher than role playing ah! games. If I'm being honest. 
That's too bad. That's great. Oh, <laughs> you sound like my wife. <laughs> oh man, that's fantastic. Well, Luke, thank you for for joining us and telling us about PT Crab because, like I said, it's it's a super cool resource. Uh, I hope all of our listeners get a chance to look at it and just just revel in the awesome communication that comes from that newsletter. So, um, good luck in your. Is this your final clinical rotation? It is. Yep. 12 weeks. And I'm out. Well, good luck in this last one and good luck in your prep for the NPTE and then upcoming graduation. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Good luck, Luke. Nice talking to you, meeting you. Hopefully uh, we'll see each other in the pelvic health world in the future. Indeed. It, it's a small field, unfortunately, but uh, so I sure we'll come across each other. Luke Holloman is the creator of the PT Crab newsletter and will be a mover and shaker in the male pelvic health world. You mark my words. Waves is a production of APTA Michigan. It is co-hosted by Dr. Katherine Klein and me, Andy Wicks. We can be found on social media at APTAMIWaves or at www.aptami.org podcasts. Drop us a line and say hi. Thank you for listening. And may your documentation always be done on time.